Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Welcome back to the Voice of the Church as we have our final session for July, studying the book of Daniel Daniel chapter 3. Last week we covered the idea and call for each Christian to stand for the cause of Jesus because he stands for us and he died for us, to be uncompromising in our faith. What does God give? What does God promise? Why do we stand for Christ? And sometimes we have the feeling that if we stand for Christ, God will always give us something better. Maybe you've got a job and Your job and your boss is asking you to do something that is wrong, illegal, or corrupt. And you stand against that boss, and you stand uncompromisingly for the Lord, and He fires you. And as you drive home, you think to yourself, but I stood for Christ. So if I lose my job, God will give me a better one. Is that why we stand for the Lord? Is that what God promises in His Word? We're going to read from Daniel 3, 16-18 to hear the words of these three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as they stood for the Lord before King Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel 3, 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, Let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Now those words of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are incredible words. They're incredible words because those men stood for the faith. They were willing to die for Christ and for his testimony, for his kingdom. But there's more. Those words show uncompromising faith, confidence that God is able to utterly save them. We began last week with the story of Cassie Bernal and how in the Columbine shooting of 1999, the gunman put the gun to her head and asked her if she believed in God, and when she answered yes, he pulled the trigger. I want to tell you something. Something based on Daniel 3.17, based on the whole testimony of Scripture. God could have stopped the bullet. God could have had the gun misfire. God could have struck that gunman with lightning or anything else to make him fall to the ground before he could pull the trigger. God can stop those who oppose his church. God can stop those who would kill his children. That's the words of verse 17. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say to Nebuchadnezzar, if that is the case, if you're going to throw us into a fiery furnace, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. These three men knew their God. We began in this series noting that there is a real and true God among his people. That he really is with us. He really has power to save. He can really work wonders. He can make mysteries known. He can show us the way of salvation. He can do all things. He is the Lord. And these three friends knew it. They confessed that if Nebuchadnezzar was to throw them into the fiery furnace, their God was able to deliver them. 
But in verse 18, they say these words, right on the tail of what they just spoke. But if not, but if not, that is to say, if God doesn't deliver us, if God doesn't save us, if God doesn't quench the flame, if God doesn't stop the bullet, if God doesn't prevent the sword from falling upon our heads, if God doesn't stop death, even so, we will not worship the gold image. There's a gospel that exists in the world today that's sometimes called the health and wealth gospel. It's the idea that if you stand for Christ and you believe in Jesus and you sacrifice for God, then God will give you back much more in this world. If you want to have a lot of money, well, give a lot of money to the church because if you give $1,000 to the church, God will give you 10000 in your bank account the next month. The idea that you need to stand for Christ because if you stand against the gunman, unwilling to compromise your faith in Jesus, then God will just make all the bullets miss. Well, hear this, beloved. God can make all the bullets miss, and God can certainly put $10,000 in your bank account if He wants to. But that's not His promise. And that's not why we stand for God. We don't stand for God because we want an earthly reward, and we don't stand for God because we want an earthly deliverance. We stand for God because He's worth standing for. He is the Lord. And if we lose everything in this life, if enemies take away our family or our homes or our jobs or our money, our health, if everything is lost, God is still worth standing for. There's a man in the Old Testament who experienced this perhaps more than any other man save Jesus. That man was Job. Job experienced the loss of his wealth the loss of his property in many ways, the loss of his children, ten children, were taken from him. And then he experienced the loss of his health. And yet he said in his sorrow that his hope was that he himself would see, that he knew he and his Redeemer lived, and that he himself would see him. Even after death with his own eyes, he'd behold his Redeemer who lives. And that message is the reason we stand. We don't stand in this world because we want a bigger house, and we don't stand in this world because we think we'll get a better job. We don't stand because we want our names or stories put in a book of Christian martyrs. We stand because God's worth standing for. Because one day we'll see with our own eyes the face of Jesus Christ. These three friends were delivered. Nebuchadnezzar was angry with their response. He threw them into the fiery furnace after having it heated seven times hotter than normal. If you know the story, it's a beautiful, intriguing thing. They are cast three men bound to the midst of the fire, verse 24 says. And then Nebuchadnezzar says he sees four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire. And they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. God gives a mighty deliverance. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come out of the fire and they don't even smell like smoke. I don't know if you've ever been around a smoker, you've ever been outside for a cigarette, and you walk back inside and you smell like smoke, one little cigarette, and your clothing stinks and someone looks at you and wonders why you smell so bad. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the middle of a burning, fiery furnace, and they didn't even smell like smoke. The Bible tells us they were so comfortable in the furnace as they stood there with that fourth man who appeared like the Son of God that they didn't even get out of the flames until King Nebuchadnezzar called them forth. Our God is so powerful, so powerful. In the midst of any trial, He will deliver. He will save. He will bring us through. Isaiah 43 says that when we pass through the waters, they will not overflow us. When we walk through the fire, we will not be burned. That's a promise of God. And He means it. In Luke 12, Jesus says that they will put some of us to death, but not a hair of our head shall be harmed. Do you know what that means? It means that even if Christians die for the cause of Christ, even if you die for the cause of Christ, you will not be harmed. Not a hair of your head will fall to the ground. The fire will not burn you. Now, we've had martyrs burned in the flames in the history of the church, and their bodies have been burned. And yet, by God's grace, God delivers them even so in the resurrection of the dead. God is able and will save, but not always in this life. Not always here. That means that Christians have to have their hope set not upon things in this world, but upon the resurrection. We have to be a people who think a lot of heaven. I don't know if you can wait until you get to heaven, if you believe in Jesus Christ, that is. The day when God himself will be with you. The Bible tells us that he himself will wipe away every tear, and sorrow and sickness will be no more. Can you imagine that day? Will there be anything you've lost in this world that you'll miss when you stand before Almighty God? When the righteous robes of Christ are wrapped around you? When all your sins are taken away from you as far as the east is from the west, and you stand holy and beloved before your God, do you think there'll be anything you lost in this world that you'll regret losing for Jesus Christ? Not a thing. Paul said he would lose all, that he may gain Christ and be found in him, not having his own righteousness, but the righteousness that is through faith in Jesus Christ. May we be willing to lose all. But the truth of it is that none of us stands for God perfectly. We've all compromised our stand for the Lord. We've all betrayed our Savior. We've all yielded to the temptation that comes towards us. What happens then? We're not the first to fail. In fact, every human being has. Remember Peter. Who, who confessed to Jesus, even if all others deny you, I will never deny you. And yet before the rooster crow denied three times that he knew his Lord. What was Peter's hope? Why could Peter still go on to be an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ and speak the gospel to thousands? Because his hope was in the one who would not fail. There's only one man who never compromised his stand for the Lord. Only one man who always lived for the glory of his Father. Only Christ has done this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego serve as great examples, but they are not great enough. Only Christ is great enough. Only He has done it all things well. And our hope is only found as we stand in Him. It is not the strength of our faith and our ability not to deny God that will save us. It is our Savior who has not denied us who will save us. 
the one who has endured all things, the one who has made known the glory of the Most High God, he is the one who will draw us to himself, who will bring us to glory. And so may our hope be set upon that glory. May we not live in this life for the things that pass. May we be willing to lose all things because we've been given all things through Jesus Christ who died for us, that whether we live or die, we may be with him. And may God be glorified as we live our lives to show the glory of God under the gracious, full sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ who has given all things that we may know the beauty of our King. The Lord's blessings for the rest of the week.